like to just kind of reflect on that, that psalm that was, um, so it was Psalm 95. and said, come before him with thanksgiving, with music and song. Then you go back to the words from the um, song that Steve sang for us. Uh, There's an endless song, echoes in my soul. I hear the music ring. I love that line, how can I keep from singing your praise? How can I ever say enough? How can I ever say enough? How can I keep from shouting your name? I know I'm loved by the King and it makes my heart want to sing. I love that song. When I heard that song, all I kept thinking about was Thanksgiving. But you know, when I hear the words of the psalmist and I hear the words from the song, um, I tell myself, you know, I'm not where I need to be. I don't have enough of that in my heart. I don't know about you all how you feel about that. it's like, you know, what our God deserves, what we give Him. Um, it's Thanksgiving. And that's why I, I kind of entitled this sermon, um, I Need a Reminder. I, I need a reminder. Uh, maybe you feel the same way, um, of the blessings that our God gives to you and I. Thanksgiving. Um, before we go into God's Word, and that's where we want to uh, end up and spend some time in it, just, you know, Thanksgiving memories. Um, you get to be 70 years old, you got a lot of memories. Um, I hope my kids and grandkids never get tired of hearing my stories, because I probably do repeat them. But, um, you know, Thanksgiving, can't think about, got to think about turkey dinners. Um, when, when I was growing up in Detroit, my grandma Krupski hosted everybody. Um, all kinds of grandchildren, uncles and aunts, cousins, uh, friends, relatives. Um, grandma would, would serve us a big dinner. Um, after dinner, uh, she would have usually chocolate pudding with strawberries on it for the grandkids. There'd be pies for the adults. Um, after we ate all that, as soon as we kind of settled down, she'd come out with a big can of New Era potato chips. They used to be in a can, not in a bag. And then after we had that, up would come the Hershey chocolate bars uh, with almonds in them. Uh, after that, she'd get out the ripple, the fudge ripple ice cream with uh, root beer and Verner's. Um, uh, you know, and then I married a woman, she's just like that. <laughs> Feeds the kids. Thanksgiving dinner, I'm telling you, you know, it is food galore. That's all I remember. You know, you have good memories, then there's the not so good memories, right? Sometimes. Uh, the first time my wife and I uh, were having my sister and brother in law over for dinner, because they were hosting it for a while, then we hosted it. It was time for us to eat. We pulled the turkey out of the oven, and that thing didn't pop up. I couldn't figure out what was wrong. Well, it was my job to clean the turkey in the morning. And as we inspected what the problem was, why wasn't the turkey done? I didn't take that bag out. You know, the bag that's got all those goodies in it. Um, thank giving memories. You have good ones, you have bad ones, right? Thank God for the good ones. Um, can't think of Thanksgiving without thinking about Lions football games. A lot of bad memories. I grew up in Detroit, but there's one real special memory. 12 years old, it's 1962. The Lions played the Green Bay Packers in old Tiger Stadium. In that game, they won 26 to 14. And Bart Starr, who would lead the Green Bay Packers to the NFL championship that year, was sacked 11 times by the fearsome foursome of Brown and Karras, McCord and Williams. Now, if you're in my age group, you know those names. And those were the glory days of the Lions, of Thanksgiving memories. But um, obviously, because I grew up in a Christian family, I was very grateful for that. I have memories of going to church on Thanksgiving. And one of my real favorite memories was hearing my grandma Krupski sing the song, 
Come, ye thankful people, come, raise the song of harvest home. My grandma grew up on a farm in Waltz, Michigan. Uh, she's a farm girl. And the whole idea of Thanksgiving and harvest meant so much to her. It meant so much to her. Great memory of being in church, sitting next to grandma, singing that song. But the other thing I think about in terms of church and Thanksgiving, um, I honestly can't count how many sermons I've heard on the story of the ten lepers. Ten lepers. Uh, let me read those verses, the, the end of the story from Luke 19, verses 16 and 19. He threw himself at Jesus' feet. That's the one leper that was healed, right? He's healed. He comes back. There were ten of them. He came back, and he thanked him. He thanked Jesus. And then there's this comment. He was a Samaritan. And Jesus asked, were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? Probably my foremost memory of thanksgiving is I never feel like I have enough in my heart for God. Just never feel like I have enough. I feel like the other nine. And um, so I was thinking before, um, I want to speak about being thankful, and maybe in your own heart too, um, before we open up God's Word. Uh, it'd be good to have maybe a time of prayer and confession. We join me in prayer. Gracious Father, we've gathered here in worship tonight to express our gratitude to you. Before we open your word, we want to ask for your forgiveness for how our gratitude and attitude of thankfulness falls so far short of what you truly deserve. We're thankful that because of Jesus' life and death and resurrection, because of the life he lived, the death he died, and the victory over the grave and the resurrection, because of that, uh, Father, your love and mercy are new and fresh for us every morning, even when our gratitude falls short. But now, Father, we ask that your Holy Spirit would continue to grow in us thankful hearts. And Father, as we open up your word and listen to your word, that Father, you'd help us to count, your, count the blessings that pour into our life. We humbly ask this in the precious name of Jesus, our Savior. Amen. Um, I want to go into Psalm 103 and just spend time around the first five verses of that psalm. Uh, follow along as I read it to you. If you have Bibles at home, I encourage you to open them up. Uh, we're going to spend some time in Psalm 103. Praise the Lord, O my soul, all my inmost being. Praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your sins, heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, and crowns you with love and compassion, who satisfies your desires with good things, so that your youth is renewed like the eagle's. I want to break that apart into five sections, just that opening verse. Go back to that first verse with me. Praise the Lord, O my soul, all my inmost being, praise his holy name. Sounds just like that song that Steve sang. Sounds just like this. So many times in the Psalms it's there. Praise his holy name. Um, you know, you think about what is it inside of us that we just don't, by nature, have the gratitude 
especially all of us who come to know Christ and what he's done for us, why is it that we lose sight of gratitude? There's something inside of us that fights against it. Um, I did some looking in the Bible resources, um, and what's something that impressed me, maybe think about this, the word thankful appears over 170 times in the 66 books of the Bible. The word thankful. In the Psalms alone, it appears 36 times in 24 different Psalms. That's one out of every six Psalms. So when the Jewish people were singing their songs in that hymn book, one out of every six of them was directed towards thanksgiving. What that tells me when I see that in the Bible and when I see that in the Psalms, it tells me God wants to help me live a life of gratitude because gratitude is good for the heart. He doesn't need me. I mean, my humble praises to him, he's praised by the angels in heaven. He's praised by all creation. He's been praised by the church on earth ever since creation. Old Testament, New Testament people, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, uh, the people of Israel, the, the, the Solomon and the temple. You think of all these moments of praise, and here are you and I. Why does he want to talk to us about it? Because it's good for us. It's absolutely good for us to be thankful. Max Licato, one of my favorite authors, says this, gratitude is a dialysis of sorts. It flushes the self-pity toxins out of our systems. Think about that. Self-pity toxins. Um, I think 2020 is a time we could have some times of self-pity. I know we struggle with it. Don't want to make light of it. It's been hard. It's been a hard year. Um, my wife celebrated her birthday in March in the garage, and uh, our families one by one came over, stood at the other end of the garage, wishing Grandma her happy birthday. I mean, that's not normal for us. You can go down a road. Uh, some of you have been through a lot more than just bad birthday parties. But how do you maintain an attitude of gratitude in the world in which we live? Because you know, even the field of psychology has found that um, gratitude really helps people. It helps them have healthier relationships. It helps them take better care of their physical body. It helps them have better psychological health. It helps them have empathy. It enhances their sleep. It enhances self-esteem. It enhances, it even enhances their mental strength. Feel psychology is doing all kinds of, they're saying gratitude is great for us. You think, well, why is it so good? Why don't it just naturally flow out of us? And I know it's because, um, because of who we are. We're sinners. We're sinners. Um, I had the great privilege of growing up with a dad that was a grandpa, that was my grandpa and my dad, but my dad was a Christian man. And two years before I was born, um, he had a horrible accident in the Rouge plant and he lost an eye. Spent a whole year in a hospital, Henry Ford Hospital, went blind during that period of time. Uh, they ended up removing the injured eye, saved the good eye. So by the time I was born, my dad had eyesight in one eye, which greatly affected his life. Uh, he was a tool and die man. He couldn't work tool and die anymore. Uh, they had to find other work for him that he could actually do it for. It's because it had to be in a certain environment because of the artificial eye. But you know, every Thanksgiving, if I have one memory that stands about my dad at Thanksgiving, was that when the pastor would be talking about being thankful, he always had tears in his eyes. Tears. They weren't tears of self-pity, they were tears of gratitude. 
you know, my dad could have gone through life with an attitude, why me? Why me? But instead, I saw him just thankful that he could see in one eye. An attitude of gratitude has great impact on our life. And God wants that for you and I. He wants that for you and I. Um, you know, Paul is in prison when he writes to the church at Colossae. Now he talked about you could be in a mode of self-pity. Here you are serving Jesus. And he's writing to Christians in Colossae. And he wants to talk to them about following Jesus. You know, when you follow Jesus. And he, he says this in chapter 2, verse 6. He says, so then, just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live in him. If there's any direction for 2020, it's that. Keep living in Jesus, rooted, built up in him. Your faith will be strengthened, strengthened in the faith, just as you were taught. And overflowing, notice that last word? Thankfulness. Overflowing with thankfulness. We are living with Jesus in 2020. And then Paul tells the church in Colossae this in chapter 317, whatever you do, whatever you do, whether in word or deed, so whether it's your studies at school, whether it's, you know, your sports team, or whether it's the music, the music you play, the instruments you play, or maybe it's um, how you treat your neighbors, or maybe it's how you perform your tasks at work. Paul says, as a Christian, you got something really special because everything you do can bring glory and honor to your Creator. And he says this, as you do it, give thanks. There's that word. Give thanks to God the Father through Him because you are privileged to serve the King of Kings in all that you do, in all that we do. Every task, as we live a day, we have the opportunity. We have the opportunity in a very special way to honor Jesus, giving thanks. And then he says this in chapter 4, verse 2, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful, and notice that last word, and thankful. It is good for us as Christians to be reminded to live a life of gratitude. Um, The second verse of Psalm 103 says this, praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Forget not all his benefits. You know that song, How Can I Stop From Singing? It wasn't written in 2020, it was written in 2012. But you know, the the truth of it hasn't changed because we have great benefits when we're walking with the King. First Thessalonians says this, be joyful always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will for you in Christ Jesus. As I read that, um, I talked to, a lot of you know, um, Vivian Phillips. I hope she doesn't mind me mentioning her name, but I talked to Vivian this past week. And a lot of you know she's been battling cancer and things are going well. She's still under treatment, it's tough. But she is living that verse. I heard it in her words. You know, and we see other Christians living that, the encouragement we get, and they're doing it because, and she would say, because God has helped her do it. Give thanks in all circumstances. The other thing I I started thinking about, when did this Thanksgiving Day actually start? Now, we've all heard the pilgrim story, but when did it become a national? Because Thanksgiving is not a church holiday. Thanksgiving is a national holiday. And it started under Abraham Lincoln, and it began in 1863. 1863, he made a declaration 
that our country would celebrate Thanksgiving on this Thursday in November. Now, if you are a historian, you know the war didn't end until 65. 65. As I thought about that, what a living example of a Christian man who wanted to give thanks in all circumstances. So what he did, and I believe this is one of the great secrets of life, treasure hunt your blessings. And that's what he did. I want you to listen to the words he spoke to our country back in 1863. The year that is drawing towards its close has been filled with the blessings of fruitful fields and healthful skies. To these bounties which are so constantly enjoyed that we are prone to forget the source from which they come. Others have been added which are so extraordinary in nature that they cannot fail to penetrate or even soften the heart which is habitually insensible. Notice that phrase, he had a problem too. We've had this problem in the human race of being habitually insensible to the ever watchful providence of Almighty God. And so what he does in this address, he counts a bunch of blessings that he wanted the country to, to treasure in the midst of the Civil War. He said, we've been able to have peace with all the other nations on earth. He said, laws have actually still been respected and obeyed in our country. He said, the population has increased and settlements have grown. And he said, the mines of our country, the iron ore, the coal, precious metals have been yielded abundantly. In the midst of the Civil War, he wanted the country to still count its blessings. And I think that's God's encouragement to you and I in the book of Thessalonians, right? In all circumstances, be thankful. Then he said this, No human counsel hath devised, nor hath any mortal hand worked out these great things. They are the gracious gifts of the Most High God, who hath nevertheless remembered mercy. Remembered mercy. Six, over 600,000 men died in that war. But in the midst of all that, he saw a merciful God who was still blessing his country. Can you and I have eyes to see that? And so he said this, it has seemed to me fit and proper that they should be solemnly, reverently, and gratefully acknowledged as with one heart and one voice by the whole American people. I do therefore invite my fellow citizens in every part of the United States and also those who are at sea and those who are sojourning in foreign lands to set apart and observe the last Thursday in November, next is a day of thanksgiving and praise to our beneficent Father who dwells in the heavens. The beginning of thanksgiving in our lives. I think it's a great testimony that we're living in that despite all that happens in 2020, all that was going on in 1863, all that's going on in 2020. It takes the toxins out of our heart, an attitude of gratitude. Then if you go to the next uh, part of Psalm 103, verse 3, it says, who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases. Um, What caught my attention is how the psalmist really dwells on the gift of forgiveness, really dwells on it. He says, In verses 8 and 9, the Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. He will not always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. The Apostle John said, the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. Um, When you get to be 70 years old, trust me, there's a long list of sin that my mind can recall. 
and to think that it's all covered. It's all covered. All your sins are covered. I had a friend recently, um, a guy I know through fishing. Uh, we finally got to have a, a spiritual conversation a little bit, and he said, he said, Harry, he said, um, I'm not going to get into heaven. And I said, why? He said, I've done too many bad things in my life. Man, we have the gift of forgiveness that we want people to know that Jesus covered it all. Covered it all. Covered it all. All my sins are covered. The psalmist goes on. In verse 10 he says, He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. David said, Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I always encourage people in the privacy of my office, when they feel like they can't be saved, they can't be forgiven, ask the question, David, did he write this before or after he committed adultery and murder? God didn't give us that answer. But because of Jesus, these words are true before and after. Because God is merciful. God is not out to get us. Jesus took it all at Calvary. We live under the mercy of a great God. The psalmist goes on to talk about forgiveness in verse 12. He says, as far as the east is from the west, he has removed our transgressions from us. You know, um, our humanists, we do remember our sin. Satan will accuse us. But God says in the book of Hebrews, chapter 8, verse 12, I will remember their sins no more. That's worth being thankful for, isn't it? Um, some of you know I had a heart attack back in uh, June, and I'm laying on this um, table in the emergency room. I'm laying there in my heart attack, having the pain, and I hear all these people talking over there. All of a sudden, this one guy say, we got a 70-year-old man having a heart attack. And I'm thinking, <laughs> poor guy. You know, you start thinking about, you know, you, you get old, um, and heaven awaits us. The good news is our sins are covered by the blood of Jesus and our sins are taken away. Our sins are taken away. They're covered and taken away. Jesus, the psalmist says in verse 13, as a father's compassion on his children, so the, God has compassion on those who fear him, for he knows how we are formed, remembers that we are dust. You know what I always love about the Lord's Prayer? And I really want you to think about this. When you play the petitions of the Lord's Prayer, I don't know about you, but there are days when I feel before I pray that, I need to ask God for forgiveness. But you notice how Jesus taught that prayer? You're always, he's always your father. And all the petitions you go through before you even get to forgive us our trespasses. That's because you don't fall in and out. God loves you. He's your father. We get to live in his forgiveness. And the psalmist says, thank God, thank God, praise God, because he forgives all your sins and he heals all your diseases. When I read that line, heals all your diseases, you know, I think, you know, Lord, why did you spare me on June 20th? I don't know that. 
But I can read that and say, God healed my diseases. You know, I went to a hospital I'd never been in before, uh, emergency room, heart specialist, never saw me in his life, found my problem, fixed my problem. Two days later, I'm home with my sweet wife, doing life again. Heals diseases. But you know, I think we all know from a Christian perspective, some of our diseases are healed on earth, some are healed when you get to heaven. And um, when I read this line, you know, I think of my grandpa Krupski. So I had a grandma that sang the songs. I had a dad who had tears because he could see. My grandpa died of pancreatic cancer. When I'd go to visit him in a hospital, in the nursing home, he was in the nursing home the last couple of months of his life, and I'd want to do a devotion with my grandpa. I always wanted to minister to grandpa. He ministered to me. After every devotion, he always said this. He said, oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is what? Good. Oh, give thanks. In the middle of a disease that was going to take his life. See, he knew. He knew. And God wants us to know that too. Life on this earth, when he heals you physically, thank God. But as Christians, we have that hope and we have that, we have that promise from Jesus that this isn't all there is. This isn't all there is. And that's what the psalmist goes into um, as you go on there. You go to verse 4. He says, Who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion. We as Christians do not have to experience death. Jesus experienced it for us. He went into the grave. We get to go from this breath to the next breath in heaven. He, the book of Hebrews says, Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful. There's that word again. Let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe. I love that phrase, a kingdom that cannot be shaken. Of all the words Jesus spoke, some of my favorite words are, if it wasn't so, I would have what? I would have told you. If it wasn't so, I would have told you. We are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And that is a reason to be thankful. We live each day like that. Um, the Apostle Paul said, thanks be to God for his indescribable gift, the gift of heaven. And that final thought from that Psalm in verse five, it says, who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. I really do encourage you, um, something I'd like to do um, I have seven decades of life. You have your decades of life. I'd like you to think about how in each decade of life, God showed up with blessings. Take each decade, take your little piece of paper sometime, and write down those decades and how God showed up in your life. Um, he shows up in His way, at His time, uh, the Bible says, the eyes of all look to you and you give them their food at the proper time. You open your hand and you satisfy the desire of every living thing, counting the blessings. As Christians living in 2020, um, if you have to make a 911 call, um, I don't mean this facetiously, but think about this, all the stuff we're facing, Psalm 91 verse 1. 91 verse 1, what does it say? He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. 
That's a great reason to be thankful for in 2020. We are living in the presence of the living God. We are living in the kingdom of God now. We have a king. It's his kingdom. He rules over us. It's his will for our life. It's his provision for our life. It's a reason to celebrate. So I'd like to close the message by singing, raise a hallelujah.